Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Edge. Um, and I'm really happy to have Wonder Woman on the show today, also known as Dorota Kozlowska. I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question as we always kind of start these podcasts with. And it's really all about giving our listeners a little bit of background into you. So kind of tell us where you got started, what your journey was all about, and how you got to where you are today. So... I'm try- yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to say it in like a short way, but I don't think there is. Uh, That's fine. It <laughs> doesn't need to be short. We both like to talk. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, I was born in like a strict Catholic uh, family, I would say, in Poland. So uh, yeah, I my mother always told me that working for uh, government is like the best, best possible work you can have. And it was like the stability. I know that she wanted uh, well for me, but uh, yeah, it's like she said it in a way like over the years that uh, it became like on the back of my head, kind of my dream as well. So I started like thinking, oh, what I want to do in my life. And when you're like 18, it's like, you have no idea, right? So you're, you're just like a child. So so I figured out, okay, so like, okay, then I can work for the government. So what kind of uh, uh, education do I need? And then there was economics, like my, my, I have two older sisters and they also graduate, have uh, economics uh, master's degrees. So I thought, okay, I will follow their path. But like uh, inside, uh, like my interest, like who I am inside is like, I was really like a, a geeky girl uh, into computers and like uh, chats and like tinkering, like what is inside, like kind of like, that was interesting to me when I was like uh, a teenager, but I didn't, like I didn't have the, my own PC then, so how, so I have to go to, uh, I discovered that on the physics university, you can have like access to computers like for free, just like sneak in and like pretend you're the, like one of them, like one of the students. And, like, <laughs> I was like using the chats and like uh, checking, oh, what is, what does this program do? What, what does this, but yeah, but getting back to the economics. So I graduated. Uh, have master's degree and like in the middle of the studies I'm like really ambitious and like I like to learn so in the middle of the studies I I thought yeah that's that's pretty boring like it's not happening a lot there so at the same time I, I started another uh, studies uh, marketing in management uh, so I have a bachelor's degree in that and I graduated almost at the same time uh, both and then I uh, got a job in the uh, local government and I was at first was uh, like a person that helps uh, investors to check the land on my region and then I moved to a different department where I was uh, accounting European Union funds and so I was like sitting there for like eight years with my pencil scribbling I don't you know like with like with my back not really straight like like low you know like like yeah yeah like the perfect government <laughs> official you know it's like kind of boring and but for me it was exciting because there was like this uh procedure procedure do you have to follow and you have like this documentation and you have to read the documentation and and then we got like european union uh uh funds uh the beneficiaries uh, had to give us like a project and we yeah. would assign the money to them like check oh is it like uh that i uh, comply with the rules on or not and like i kind of that was kind of interesting and to me and and then i figure out yet yeah, so yeah i'm not really happy in in this life my manager is really not a super nice person to say it like delicately and uh, I, I didn't feel happy at that moment in time. So I felt, yeah, I have like a, I don't know, crisis of my personality or whatever. And then I asked them, oh, can I go for like one year of unpaid vacation and like, I don't know, just rest my head. And they said, okay, we are cool with that, go. And uh, so I went for half a year to UK, Bristol, and then another half a year to Amsterdam, UK. And I really liked Bristol, but I really fell in love with Amsterdam. Like all the bikes, like I went through the central stations, like this is where I belong, you know? And so 
I, w- I wasn't really working there. So I was married. So my my husband was working and I was just like uh, trying to learn and like sightsee and like, I don't know, figure out uh, things. And so that really helped me. And I promised to myself that I really want to go back to Amsterdam. And so I will try to figure out the way how to do that. But I couldn't do it with like the government work. So I just had to, I don't know, think more about that subject. So I had to go back because the year has passed. And and then I, ca- I came across a book about software testing. And I started reading the book, like looking through it. And it felt like, yeah, that's pretty much what I was doing in the government, like uh, <laughs> checking uh, the documentation, but like with IT. It's like perfect. <laughs> so, Sounds like your perfect job. I mean, it matches up yeah. what you wanted to do, right? So, yeah. And also, I didn't mention that, but I have like this gift. Maybe I don't know. It's like a curse or whatever that I touch anything and it breaks. <laughs> so I felt like <laughs> for a tester, that's like dream come true, right? I break things and they pay me. So win-win. <laughs> and, and so I. I started like learning about software testing, what is this, and like uh, got certified with like the basic certification. Uh, I think it's called ESTQB Foundation, and and then I got my first job. It was like uh, I got the call uh, that they are. It was from the director of the department, and that they are giving me a chance and they want to hire me. I literally. I was going uh, for work home and I was like uh, in the middle of the street, uh, got the call and like started crying. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I just fell apart. There's like, I was so happy that uh, finally, like my life is like going in the ro- right direction. The the one that I wanted, not that someone envisioned for me. And so before I felt like I'm not really living my own life. So I just tried to correct that and uh, do it on my own and like uh, make my own mistakes now or whatever will yeah. happen I will, I'm taking full responsibility this is my life and you know what will be it will be so then I worked there for a year I was manual uh, at the manual tester but I was like you know I'm like always wanting to learn more and like looking for more and like I'm not ever satisfied with just like I don't know, stagnation, like stay in one place for a long time. So there were like testers that were just clicking the apps for eight years. And I felt like, yeah, I cannot spend eight years like that anymore. So I already did that and I wasn't happy. So yeah, I have to, there's more, you know? So I started looking into uh, test automation, uh, learn Java, learn uh, how to write the test with Selenium. And I asked them, oh, can you, maybe allow me to write automation there. And they say, no, you only click and do manual jobs. So I said, that's fine. So I went to work somewhere else. <laughs> and then uh, I was uh, actually writing the automation uh, scripts and I was like really happy and, oh, this is highly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, And then, I had like two years of experience in testing and I met a headhunter in Amsterdam and she said to me, she's my best friend now actually. So she said to me, Dorota, you need like two years of uh, IT experience and then you can uh, go to Amsterdam and start looking for a job because before, not a good idea. But two years, it's doable. So I went, uh, yeah, so I traveled to Amsterdam and yeah, in between got divorced, but yeah, that's not really relevant. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I got the job and like, that was my, I, I, I have no, there is no lies here. This is like my favorite job ever. I worked for basic fit and I met like wonderful people there. My manager was like the best manager I ever had. Like it was like wonderful there. And so I worked there for like uh, almost three years. And like in the middle of that the second year or something like that, uh, I got sick. So I was like really grateful. Like I had cancer then I was got diagnosed with cancer. So it was like, 
a gift. I don't know. It sounds strange that you are like that sick and you say that it's a gift because if I I I now know that if I like then it really hit me and I was like, oh why it's happening? You know, like the normal reaction people have. But yeah. when I see like the big picture, I understand like I had to. It had to happen to me this way because if I would stay in Poland and in the city I was in, the oncological hospital was closed during COVID. So I we will not be talking right now probably. So if I was there, probably like one of the best uh, healthcare systems in Europe. So they really pulled me out of it like really fast. And so it was like, I don't know, destiny had, had to happen this way. So I had to fall in yeah. love in Amsterdam and then, you know, and uh, after like I got sick, I, I started thinking, Oh yeah, it's like really a bummer because like it's really scary because like the cancer was like really malignant, uh, really like the heaviest that can be. And and at first I wasn't like I I didn't realize how scary it was, but then uh, I don't know the the doctors tried to explain like how bad it is, and I was like because I was like yeah unicorns and rainbows like nothing will bad happen to me. I was just like get through that and like I kept on smiling. And then they explained to me how bad it is. And I thought, oh, oh, oh shit. So, so I really wanted to, like when I was learning uh, testing, at the end of every book, there was a chapter about penetration testing. And I felt like, yeah, that's really exciting, but it looks like really difficult. Like, I don't know if I can do it. It's like really hard, like, uh, you know? <laughs> and and I thought, oh shit, I had like this, this kind of like a dream on the back of my head. like. I looked into the penetration testing and at the end of the books and it was like the cherry on top, like something I could go towards, but now I may have not, I may not have the chance to. So I started thinking like, oh yeah, what to do, what to do, <laughs> you know? And uh, I started uh, and I thought, yeah, I'm already sick. Like what, I, I don't really have anything to lose at this point. So why not start studying for that, right? At least I will like keep my head occupied and and learn some cool things, right? And, and so when I was like at, at the beginning, I was I had the surgery and then I, I had the treatment. So during the radiation, they pumped me with steroids, and and although my body was like really tired and I wanted to sleep and I felt like my body is so heavy and tired and you know, uh, but my brain was like hyperdrive totally so fast because of the meds. And I thought, yeah, I have to do something with like the speed of, of my brain because I cannot, I cannot sleep with like, I'm tired, but my brain is running somewhere all the time. So I, at first I thought, oh, I'm in the Netherlands and like everyone is asking, oh, where, when you will learn Dutch. So <laughs> I went to <laughs> like an intensive course. So in a month I was like, uh, intermediate level after a month already but I also have like a talent for languages so I know German French Japanese a bit uh, I learned Chinese like you know I like learning so it makes sense to learn languages and and after that I said oh no that's not enough like I cannot stop at Dutch I really let's do the GSP course so I started doing I went through the whole course and at the end, uh, I started reading, oh, how to get certified. Oh, and I like, I understood then, like after doing the, the whole course, that that's not really my level of skill yet. It's like for manager, man management level, and you have to have like connections and people that will back you and tell you, tell the organization that, yeah, you're legit and you're like a security professional. And, and I thought, yeah, I'm on my own and I'm just starting. So, doesn't look like it's feasible for me at this point. So I thought, oh, what else I can do? And I thought, yeah, for security, you probably have to know something about the network, right? Like uh, the ports and like uh, what, are the, what are the cables, all that stuff. So I started doing, and I, I only have like a year of uh, computer science education because I did like a postgrad in between uh, my, uh, government work and I thought yeah that's not enough like here is not 
not, doesn't cut it. And I thought, yeah, I really need to start from the beginning. And and I started doing uh, CompTIA courses. So the A+, the Network+. Plus. So the A+, was really cool because I, 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 I started to understand what is inside of the computer, what does this do, and like, like the motherboard and like, you know, that was really cool. And then the network uh, plus and security loss, uh, I really enjoyed that. And I got certified with that one after finishing the course. And I started uh, doing the Pentest plus, but then figured, yeah, I, I need to get the hands-on knowledge as well. So I discovered there's a track hack me's, started doing those. And, and I thought, okay, so I have all that knowledge already. So maybe that's enough. And started reading like uh, this is how I do my research. So I go through job inter uh, advertisements and I read what are the requirements. So and what do I need else to learn or like what do they are they looking for? And I figure out yeah, for a junior role that may be enough. Like already I know kind of a lot. And I started applying uh, like change my CV and started applying and and got few interviews, but they really were, were looking for like someone more technical. And I felt like, uh, uh, I felt kind of judged, but uh, I was kind of okay because it's an interview. They have to see yeah. what level are you on, right? So, and then I felt, yeah. So, although I will not get this uh, job right, but they already asked me a lot of, uh, questions that I could write down and like research. And I also asked them, oh, I don't think I did well on this interview. Can you tell me what I can do better next time? And they gave me a lot of like uh, nice, uh, they gave me nice feedback there too. So I also carved that into like uh, research and like learned those things and then started applying more and got the job at Accenture. Uh, as a security uh, analyst at first. And then after I, as I told them I want to be a penetration tester, but they didn't have any assignments for that uh, role. So uh, I started uh, to think what to do and I decided to go back to Poland and like move uh, inside of Accenture to a penetration testing role and just tell them, oh, I have only this experience. So at uh, Accenture, I wasn't really pen testing, but I did a lot of try hard me's and I know this and this, and I have this uh, certification and this uh, theoretical knowledge. And they say, okay, I will give you a chance. And and I, I, I really, it's amazing because like from week one, I was already on the project and doing web penetration testing. And they told me what uh, else I could uh, learn and like what courses to take to, uh, get uh, faster uh, on the level that other testers were. Uh, so yeah, that was like really good, uh, like steep learning curve, but I was really happy to be here. And so, and so that's me now. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's not very often I'm lost for words. John, John, no doubt is, is knows that, right? You've had an incredible journey. I mean, you, you that's an incredible story. Some of the details I already knew, I kind of follow you on LinkedIn. I didn't know it in the detail that I know it now because you only get snippets on LinkedIn. I mean, it's the same as any social media. You only really see some parts of people's lives. But you, you, you come across on LinkedIn as a very positive person. You, you want people to be happy. You always post in motivational stuff. And I knew that you'd been sick because um, you'd posted about it, but I hadn't. I didn't necessarily know the detail that I know now. But to have that positive attitude, having gone through what you've gone through, it, it, I, I am lost for words. It's a bit speechless for me because we we've done a fifty plus of these podcasts now, and we've spoke to some people that have been through similar to yourselves. And I sit here thinking. I've been very lucky in my life to not have any real sickness or not to come across any real difficult stuff. And I mean, I could sit here and say I've had difficulty in my life. And I know that John's had some difficulty in his life. But when I talk to someone that's had actual real difficulty, sometimes it takes my breath away a little bit. It makes me think I need to just 
realize that my life's probably been easier than than yours and and i don't know a better way of putting that um john i don't know if there's anything you want to add before we kind of start asking questions no i'm good i mean very inspiring story um overcoming sickness overcoming uh you know, doubters and so on and so forth uh, i think uh i think you're living up to your your wonder woman uh photos in in linkedin so i i have a question then i mean I know a little bit about what a pen tester does or what a penetration tester does. But for our listeners, it might not know. For our kind of we, – we have a lot of listeners. We have listeners from, from senior management in IT and security, and we have a lot of people trying to enter as well into the environment. And people might not necessarily know where to go. There's so much choice in cyber, right? And I'm glad you've kind of found what you enjoy and what you like. And I'm going to ask maybe two questions. What was it about penetration testing that you thought, okay, this is right for me? And what is penetration testing? What, what, how, how would you explain it simply to someone that's maybe trying to enter the field? So uh, first, I will answer the second question, if that's okay. Yep. So in my own words, like penetration testing is like we penetrate the infrastructure on systems or like web pages or letters like mobile, and we we find the hole in the system uh, and we try to get inside and like exploit it or if it's not allowed in like the rules of engagement then then we just tell the client oh there's like hole we didn't exploit it but it's doable so just patch it up and yeah glue it with duct tape or whatever <laughs> and <laughs> hide it from like the, because the real bad guys will come and they will use it and you will be sorry that you didn't listen to us so do you do you do mostly external penetration in through say open web ports or open firewalls or do you also go into networks like on the lan and wan and, and look at penetrating if you're already on the network well, all kinds of, but uh, like for me, it's mostly like, and I. So I have to say that yeah, I'm still junior, so I do mostly web penetration testing. Yep. I had few infrastructure uh, tests, so it's not like red teaming and like going all in uh, yet. But uh, you know, I'm really learning that, and I really want to follow that path. So yeah, looking forward. I mean, we. Um, sorry, go on, John. Yeah, I was going to say, what's uh, what are sort of the the common vulnerabilities? Uh, is it more web? Is it more network? Um, are these things that are well known and should be patched? Uh, you know, in your viewpoint, where's what? What are the common uh, exposure points that you you come across? Uh, mostly, it's like uh, bad, like old, uh, unpatched. Like uh, there's no backups, or like uh, the programs are old and they are still with known vulnerabilities, and they didn't. Uh, installed the newest version or moved up on the version and yeah mostly it's that or like like really it's over top 10 over and over uh, like SQL injection and like all kinds of <laughs> other path traversers and what whatnot so pretty much the over top 10 comes true and it's like really legit and uh, on point I would say there I I find that so frightening I mean I've got gray hair i've worked in it and security for a long period of time and patching is critical i mean i don't know how to say it politely but if you are being compromised because you haven't patched the system then there's no real excuse i mean if you've been notified that there is a hole in your defenses and there is a patch released for that hole and then you get compromised through that hole. There's no easy way to go back and report that, right? If it's a, if you've been compromised because it's a newly found patch, or because they've kind of gone a, a different route, and but if they've literally just come into an open door, basically because you haven't closed it and you knew that it was open, and and yes, it's not easy to get downtime necessarily. It's not easy for you to convince the business of these things. But certainly in my role, and I believe in John's role, it was pretty critical for us to sit down with the business and say, these doors are open. It only takes someone out on the internet to do a quick scan and they will come through that door. And 20 years ago, you might have got away with it. There were not necessarily people out there. There, there wasn't sophistication. 
But I can guarantee within five minutes of finishing this podcast, I could go online, download a piece of software and run it, and it would report back all the open doors on the internet. And I just need to go through them. Um, John, yeah. I, I could see yeah, you. Kind I, of... <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's I think it's well, two things. Uh, one of this is is partly a business decision. Um, for some reason, the business hasn't decided to invest in maintaining um, legacy systems or heritage systems or um, patching just isn't a, a critical thing for them. Um, I think the second piece is, um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought here. Um, I, I, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, that uh, we talk a lot about zero trust and we talk about the fact that historically people have been allowed to go anywhere and do anything. And we talk a lot about the world's changed. Users are not in offices anymore. Yeah, I think that's um, where I was going to go. That That's yeah. where I was going to go. I mean, uh, the fact that, you know, you mentioned 20 years ago, all the systems were in a data center. They're behind a firewall. Um, and uh, maybe there was one or two windows that were available into the business. You know, now with distributed applications, data being stored in, you know, SaaS applications or IaaS, wherever you may have it, as well as users now, um, you know, as part of this new hybrid workforce, those those number of windows, you know, exponentially grown by 10x. Uh, it, your attack surface just becomes uh, almost unmanageable in that sense. Uh, and as a result, you know, these legacy applications, again, that the business doesn't, um, you know, feel like they need to invest in, they're out there, they're exposed. Um, and uh, it's surprising how much, you know, security value can just get out of just having a regular patching program, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, getting the leadership knowledgeable about the exposure of these legacy systems, the technical debt associated with it. Um, I think, you know, you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of value for, for that, it, you know, just moving in, in that direction of doing the patching, um, having that, uh, that me mechanism available to you. I, I think to be honest, as, as we were saying, if you've got, if you, I, I, let me try and rethink. I wonder how many companies that are out there that have legacy hardware or software that don't know that there are CVEs or patches available. So if you are not patching because you just haven't got the time or you haven't got the permission, fine, that's one reason. But, I mean, Dorota, I, I wonder if you could tell us how many companies that you kind of deal with, and don't mention any names, obviously, but how many companies that you do penetration testing for didn't even know that they had a vulnerable system? Because there's a difference between knowing it's vulnerable and not patching it. How many of them just didn't know that there was a patch available? I, I work on the one project, so it was like one company now, but I already read a lot and I heard like stories about, like, for example, there's like an IT guy that just leaves and and he has the documentation that is not, I don't know, he knows all the systems and then he leaves and it's not documented. So at a certain point, new people come and then, oh, we had the server. I didn't know, you know, so you have infrastructure that you know nothing about. And for example, there, could be, there can be a situation when company just like gets the report and reads through it and say, yeah, it takes too much effort and money to patch those things, like fix those vulnerabilities and then to face the real attack and like go through the attack and then fixing stuff afterwards. So it doesn't work for us to spend time on it now. We will just, we know about it, it's cool. We're just like waiting for the bad guys to come, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, we're they are choosing the, I don't know, lesser evil in their minds, but is it really like a lesser evil? Like, I don't know, what do you think? Right. So so in a, in a previous life, I worked for a company that did lots of acquisitions. And one of the things that we would do when we were acquiring a company is we would collect all, collect all of their kind of externally facing information. So what IPs they had, what DNS, what domains they had externally. And we would pay a company to pen test them. Because we wanted to know if we were going to join our networks together, 
could there potentially be a way into their network? And I remember sitting down quite a few times in front of the the kind of the integration team or the or the MA team or the board. And they would be like, okay, we've done penetration testing and nothing's failed. I'm like, okay, but do we actually know everything? Like, have they given me every external IP, every external domain, or do they just not know? Because as you were saying, I, I, I came from large manufacturing companies that had been running for 50 plus years or more. So they had IT when IT was invented. They created the internet when the internet was invented. So I found machines that were 25 years old that were in a broom cupboard somewhere that no one had ever touched. And the person that created it had left 10 years ago and it was sat on the internet. And it was either running like some Microsoft firewall or something that was just not worked. It had never been patched and nobody knew it was there. And, and because the company was made up of multiple independent companies for a long period of time, even collecting the IP information and saying, okay, what are you presenting? They didn't, they didn't know. People didn't know. So it was only when you would go around and I'm sure John did this, you'd unplug something and then someone would scream. You'd be like, oh, you know what this is then. Go off and say, what is it? Because I've just unplugged it. So it's the amazing, the amount of stuff. Yeah, well, Jay, what we're talking about here are basics. I mean, patching is a basic. Having a security program is a basic. Having a CMDB, that's a basic. These are fundamental items. Uh, but yet what we're talking about is companies that just haven't done that. Um, and now we've got you know some regulation coming down from the SEC. Uh, there's stuff coming down from uh, New York DFS, uh, basically mandating that you have a security program uh, and kind of laying out the basis of that. Do you think that you know, the situation is going to change? Uh, or do you think that you know it's going to raise to the level of the board's going to have to say, yeah, we got to get serious about security. We've got to, you know, do the penetration testing. We got to find out where the vulnerabilities are, but also we need to invest in maintaining these legacy systems. So, you know, they're not unpatched, connected to the internet, or you know, your IT director doesn't go out there and find that this machine that's, you know, running, I don't know, Windows ninety five, and it's connected to the internet. Uh, yet it's essential for the production. Um, do you think anything's going to change because you know now regulations starting to come into the picture? Uh, so I will give you an example first. So sometimes I I do the penetration testing and then I have to do the retest, and I get a lot of the same vulnerabilities that are coming back to me. So I'm like. Or last four words sometimes because quality is really important to me and and you're not fixing those so yeah I yeah I I, I yeah <laughs> what's happening there so you so, report it to them and and nothing happens they're nothing, like yeah. yeah nothing happens and then I have to retest and like check if they fixed yeah nothing is fixed so the same ones and like will anything change so I I sure hope so but like even I don't know looking at climate change. The government is saying, oh, we have to do this and this. There's like this regulation coming in and like this. And like, I don't really feel like a lot of changing is changing, you, you, you know, because change is difficult for people. It's like painful yeah. and people are like afraid of change. And like in my own experience, change is awesome. So like, why not? The, the grass is mostly like, usually it's greener out there when you try it, right? Not always, but yeah, most of the times. But uh, I, I think to be honest, just the like, grass... people are just like like staying in like their own box and yeah. like not looking around too much. And I don't know. I, I I think to be honest, I mean, I try and be a positive-minded person, and I'm not saying I'm always like that, but I try. I, I think the new grass is kind of what you make it. I mean, if it's not greener, then change again. I mean, yes, I mean, I've made mistakes in my career. I've gone places and I've thought this was a mistake. What I haven't done is just sit there and moan about it forever. I've I've done my best to take on board the decision I've made. I've tried to adjust my mindset. And yes, if the worst comes to the worst and it really isn't something I like and the grass really isn't greener, then I've got feet and I can walk and I get up and I leave. And I mean, I'm not saying you should go 
six months, six months, six months, six months. Sometimes you need to give it a little bit of time. It may not be better on day one. Um, but John, to, 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 to go back to your question, I mean, is it going to change? I mean, it has to, right? I mean, I, I may, maybe I'm being a little bit naive, but the people that are changing and patching their system and being protected are going to be protected. The people that aren't protected and don't patch their systems are going to get hacked or compromised or, I mean, not everybody, but there will be a period of time. And obviously Chase Cunningham gives a great example of this. Um, like if you are the weakest, you're going to be caught by the lion and eaten, right? So I think people are going to be forced to. I feel a little bit sorry for the small companies or medium companies that maybe don't have the resources, but still have the tech. The people that may only have one IT person and no security people or really small teams. But there's no excuse really in my mind for the large companies not not to invest some money in this stuff. Because there's in, in multinational companies, they probably spend more money on refilling the coffee cups than it would cost them to patch some systems. Maybe I'm just it's I don't know, maybe I'm just living in a dream world. Um, but that's just the way I feel about it. I feel it's going to have to change, right? Yeah, I, I think it's, it went, once it changed, it, it's it's a leadership problem. You know, I, I, I harp on this constantly, but at the end of the day, uh, if it's not, if leadership is not being uh, incented or, uh, you know, decremented by, you know, lack of security, uh, it's not going to change. So uh, until that happens, you know, then we're just going to kind of stay the same. And or you know, we have a, unfortunately a, a cyber Pearl Harbor. Um, but I think uh, you know what the SEC is doing, and, and some of the regulators are starting to doing is they're putting it on the board table. So uh, leadership has to pay attention to it. And once they pay attention to it, and uh, if there's fines associated with it, and it comes out of their bank account. Yeah, then then these these programs are going to get funded, and you know you're going to be able to do your penetration testing and see market difference between you know test one and, and test two. But uh, there's got to be some sort of motivation, uh, and unfortunately, it's it's usually yeah. financial, either positive or negative. Okay, so let's pivot onto another question. Um, the forty under forty. What 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 was that? What did you get an award for? What does forty under forty mean in cybersecurity? Oh, it's from a, a, a magazine. Uh, that's really awkward. I'm stressed, so I don't remember the full name. But uh, Cyber News Magazine. I, I hope I got I got it right, and I I got picked uh, as a only person in Poland on the list. So that was like really cool, and I was. Uh, so I hit 30 this year, so it was like last moment to get it on that list. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is lucky. <laughs> what? So did you did you have to be over 30, but under 40? Was that the kind of rules? Yeah, under under 40, under. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I saw that you announced that and I thought it was interesting. Um, another question then. What why are you what why are you dressed as Wonder Woman? Was that some kind of fancy dress party? Was it something that, wh why is your LinkedIn profile you dressed as Wonder Woman? So at first I looked uh like everyone everyone else on LinkedIn, I had like a white shirt and like no followers. <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I, I started looking through the LinkedIn as a whole and like, yeah, it's not really an exciting uh, social media portal. It's like everyone is dressed white and like, you know, blazers and uh, looking uh, really sharp and professional. Uh, to be fair, it's like a professional portal. So <laughs> I didn't have like a real problem with it, but I started thinking maybe I should do something else because like, when I worked in the government and I was like really working for three people and asking, oh, can I get like more assignments? And like, you know, because I was trying to get myself seen. And so I will get promoted and start earning more. And, you know, I was ambitious. So I tried to get myself out there, but it didn't work out so well. I was never promoted or like anything. So I, what I saw like 
on the experience from the government work, I was just working a lot and I was volunteering for extra work. So they just saw me as a cavalry that just will do everything they just put on my back and yeah. I would just carry on and like don't say anything that it doesn't sit well with me or no. I would just take it and, and go, you know? And I had a friend there that she took like the smarter approach. I took the harder approach and she she did it smarter. So she so she at a certain point uh, started making friends with the manager in my department, with the directors. She went every day to drink coffee with them and like uh, make small talk. So she was uh, networking. You yeah. Know? So, and then I, I saw like I was still in the same place and she was in a very short time, a manager of a de- new department that was like, that appeared suddenly one year, like, you know, got restruct- yeah. there was like a restructurization of the department and she was one of the managers just like out of the blue because she was just uh, connecting with the leadership. And I thought, I don't want to work harder anymore. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Like I, I like to work hard. Don't get me wrong. I like to pen test and like I give my all, but just have, have to take like the smarter approach here. So I thought I have to look different than everyone else. That was the first point. And then uh, the Wonder Woman movie came uh, out and I felt like, yeah, this, that's really cool. She's like the first caring like superhero uh, that is a female. Uh, the fifth one, uh, she has a movie that's really cool. I really love it. And I watched the movie like, I don't know, 100 times. I don't know, I don't know how many, <laughs> but I really was like, this is an awesome movie. I really love the character. The actress was really pretty. It really like spoke to me, you know? I ha- I felt that connection. I, I want to be like her. And then I got sick, uh, as I told you already. And then I was diagnosed that, yeah, you're cancer-free. And then I got my first uh, security job and I started thinking, well, well, wait a minute. Maybe I am a Wonder Woman. I did this and, <laughs> and I did that. Wait a minute, let's do this. <laughs> and then I got like uh, a costume uh, and I got like a picture in it uh, and posted on uh, LinkedIn like that. And I think I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, so... I'll tell you a little story. I used to have quite a fun picture on my LinkedIn and I was advised by an influencer on LinkedIn that it would distract from people um, connecting with me because it was a fun picture. Now, John's got a fun picture. I mean, you used to have the, I think the one where you're on the magic carpet. And now I think it's the one on the tram in San Francisco, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, the magic, the magic car- carpet, uh, I got a lot of comments on it, but I was like, uh, yeah, see, changing, I, over so, to, changing over to a major company, magic carpet, maybe not so much. No. So I, I, I mean, I did, I changed mine to a professional photo, but actually I had more people comment on the fact I should change it back. Um, so, I mean, we haven't spoken other than on this podcast and actually i I think it matches your personality perfectly. So I think it's great. Um, I want to ask one more question, really, before we get on to kind of the fun stuff, because I've just looked at the clock. Um, (laughs) What's next for you? I mean, obviously, you're doing penetration testing. You clearly enjoy it. But where do you see yourself? And it's not an interview question. We're not in an interview. But where do you see yourself in like the next five years, which is a question I hate being asked in an interview. But I just wondered if you do you have a plan? Or, or do you just go from being excited to being excited and bubbly? Is it, or do you want to no, say no. this is next? I don't know. It's like a, a good part of me or a kind of like a curse, but I always ha- have to have a plan. Uh, it doesn't always work because I just learned that, oh, you can just get sick or just, I don't know, just something may happen in the department and it will not work out. But uh just trying to keep my mind flexible, but still trying to sketch a kind of a plan. And I see, I don't know, maybe it's like my character, but or like something like uh, about my brain, but I always see three steps ahead. And I already see that uh, I want to do what side of penetration I want to specialize in and then what I want to do in five years. So I, I re- I'm really excited in, 
IoT uh, yeah. penetration testing. So I want to like build my own lab and like tinker with Raspberry Pis and whatnot, and just learn all of that. Uh, also, uh, something popped on my uh, radar, but I didn't look into it yet. So medical penetration testing looks really cool. Uh, so for example, I already saw like an article that there was like a hack possible, there is a hack possible into a pacemaker to, so that was like mind blowing. So I didn't read like more into that subject yet, but it's like, yeah, that's like really blow, blow my mind yeah. a bit. And, and in five years, I wanted to go into red teaming. So I'm, uh, I still have to gather like a lot of experience because red teamers, they do web, infra, mobile, like all of the, I need to know a lot of things like from all of the, all over the place. So, and it kind of works uh, with who I am as a person, like with my brain, well, my character traits, because my main one is I'm a learner and I'm also an achiever. So that also like adds up, I would say. And because I'm a learner, I, I'm really excited to be into cybersecurity because every day something new is happening and yeah. I, I have to learn something new and I, I'm always motivated because there's not like, oh, I know this and like what now? The, then I move on, you know, there's something new and it's yeah. like not, not like I will go and now decide, oh, I will work in the circus now or, you know, like something unrelated. <laughs> Because there's like so much in uh, to do for me in cybersecurity. I'm just like I found my place and I'm just good with that and I'm staying and and the red teaming uh, in five years or, or so, like fingers crossed. And like in my private life, I'm really looking forward to just uh, having more green around me or like a beach. So you know, yeah. like uh, because now I'm I live in the city. There's like a lot of I don't know. Uh, gray colors <laughs> and and streets and no trees and like the air is terrible so i'm i look forward to just like a hut under a forest like near the forest or whatever there's a lake somewhere or, <laughs> or like a river or like a beach and and i don't know ocean whatever i just like i feel like like i really need some nature around me and yeah uh, good bike uh, lanes to cycle because i really love it and, and yeah, I think that's my plan. I think that might be John's fun question, but so so let's pivot to fun questions. So one of the things I learned that you were talking about at the beginning is you spent time in Bristol in, in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. That's my hometown. Okay, so I spent 20 years. I was born in Bristol. Um, where, so where, where do you live in Bristol? How long were you there for? Six months? Yeah, six months, and I was like living on the and in the suburbs. I don't remember the name exactly of like the neighborhood. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a food-related question because I love food, but about Bristol, right? If you can remember, so what was the best meal that you had in Bristol? The best one in Bristol. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, ramen from Wagamama. I discovered Wagamama for the first time there. And then I had it uh, a lot of times in Amsterdam. I was yep. like, <laughs> yeah, like one of their uh, main customers, I would say. But uh, yeah, I was like the first time I discovered. Uh, I'm really into Japanese culture. So ramen, I tried it first time in Berlin years ago. And and so I saw Wagamama and like the pronunciation from Japanese is like uh, selfish. So I felt let's go to Wagamama. <laughs> no. so, so John, for your information, Wagamama, I believe, is an English chain. I believe it started in England. Yeah. It, it, it's, I guess, Asian-style food, so it, a bit of Japanese, a bit of Chinese. I mean, they have an amazing katsu curry. They have great edamame. Their udon's good. The ramen's good. Um, it, and it started off being re very cheap. It's gone up a little bit in price now, but it's – it's one of those places that you, no matter which one you go in, you know you're going to get a decent meal, even though it's a chain. Um, but anyway, let me hand to you, John, for one final fun question. 
Yeah, so let's let's stay on the topic of food. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, Japan that you're you're huge into that uh, that culture uh, and speak some of the language. Um, I don't know if you've been to Japan or uh, if you have to pick something that's a you know Japanese cuisine. Um, what what would that be? So yeah, I I, I still haven't been to Japan, but uh, <laughs> I have to go like because. <laughs> It's about time. I'm like uh, I'm planning that since I was like eight years old. It's like it's about time. So and on top of my head, I was married to a sushi chef. So obviously sushi, but like something that I always order when I go to a Japanese restaurant is shrimp tempura because I just mm. love the huge shrimps. Uh, like they're so crunchy, and then inside, like there's like the mo- moist and like flavor. Parts. So, trying to uh, ex- yeah, um, trying to say it like uh, Gordon Ramsay would, but <laughs> I'm lost for words. <laughs> I'm I mean, not so, as good as him. I, I think f- for me, I mean, I I had the luxury of living in Japan for a year and a half, um, and I and I loved it, and I got to eat a lot of Japanese food. But for me, a lot of the really good Japanese food is very simple. You d- you don't yeah, it's fish with rice, or it's grilled meats, or it's it's not a complicated cuisine, um, but it but it is amazing. Um, but I really want to thank you. I mean, it's great. An hour's passed in in almost no time. Um, I was lost for words at the, at the at the start. I mean, your story is a phenomenal story. You are very bubbly, and you're clearly very passionate. I, I followed you for a long time on LinkedIn. I really like kind of the positive stuff that you post. Um, sometimes LinkedIn, you can wake up in the morning and read it and see a lot of negativity. And I think it's it's maybe growing a little bit like that in recent in recent times. But when I read your post and I see your photos, it always puts a smile on my face. And now I know more about you and our listeners know more about you. I'm sure that will do the same for them. Um, but John, anything from you before we wrap? No, it's another uh, wonderful conversation here on The Edge. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for Thank inviting you. me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give The Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.